So I want to talk to you about the one-word strategy for a few moments, if I may, and encourage you to um, get one word that is a focal point and a motivation for you in this year. Just one word. And uh, if you'll get this one word in your spirit, uh, post it, make it visible, pray over it, meditate on it, study that word, and let the Holy Spirit use this one word to open up areas of your understanding and give you insight into areas of your life. Just one word. To do this, you have to pray and meditate on various aspects of your person and your life. And you have to ask God, Lord, download into my spirit one word. Just one word. Not a sentence, one word. And somehow use that word as a catalyst for change and growth in my life. Use that one word to open up my understanding so that I can see and comprehend and, and know more about myself and the world around me and fix me somehow, God, with that one word. And we found over and over again that when you ask God for one word, He'll give it to you. You listen, it'll come. And that one word can make a huge difference in your life. It's a one-word strategy. Excuse me. <coughs> Thank you, ma'am. <coughs> Thank you, Stacy. <coughs> so, <coughs> when you get this one word, you share it with someone like a spouse, a best friend, co-worker, someone like that. Um, and then you begin to post it everywhere where it's visible. And that word is popping up. And um, keep your ears tuned because God will use that word to, to open your understanding. You'll find direction and courage and, and motivation in that one word. The key is you've got to open your heart and open your spirit and seek the Lord and let him download a word for you. Now, I'm going to share with you a word this month that I want, to, I want to inspire the whole church with. And that may be your word, too. You may say, Pastor, that's going to be my word for the year, and that'd be great. But then again, when you pray and seek the Lord, He, he may give you a different word that's just for you. It's a personalized thing. And so in this first week, I'm encouraging you to seek God for that one word that can bring your life into focus and help move you forward. It's a catalyst for self-realization, for change, and moving your life forward. Uh, our one word as a church staff this year is going to be GROW, G-R-O-W. It's also going to be the title of our series this month. We're not focusing necessarily on numerical growth, although that might be a part of it, but rather on personal growth. And we are challenging ourselves and encouraging you to grow personally. Um, we believe that life changes and dreams come true through personal growth and development. <clears throat> that problems just don't go away. Problems grow away. I don't overcome my problems. I outgrow my problems. And so that's why we take the time to encourage you in personal growth and development and help lead you in that. If you're experiencing a very painful problem in one area of your life, 
Focus on that problem and let your one word begin to be an impetus for you and how to change and outgrow that kind of a problem. The great secret of life is that we all outgrow problems. That's the great secret of life. We outgrow problems. And if you don't grow, your problems never go away. You just keep cycling and it goes around and around and around. But when you grow, you leave those problems behind. So I want to help you to outgrow some of your reoccurring problems and things that you're facing in life. So our word is going to be grow, G-R-O-W. How many of you would like to say, I want to grow this year? I want to grow. Thank God. And so uh, the series is entitled Grow, and uh, I look forward to sharing uh, things with you about growing personally and spiritually uh, throughout this uh, first month. So remember that, um, you know, you've got to be intentional about this. You've got to seek God for this. I can't tell you that suddenly a word is going to fall out of the sky and whop you on the head. You're going to have to seek God for this. You have to search for it. You have to look for it. You have to listen for it. It can come in unique times and unique ways, but listen for it. Be intentional. You've got to pray about it. I mean, you really need to feel like that this word is coming up out of your spirit to the screen of your mind. Um, you really have to feel like that this word is given to you, and it isn't just something you thought up. And then you have to harness your energy, sharpen your focus around it, and see what God can do through it. Now, I'm assuming that many of you have already used this strategy, and it's not new to you. So jump on board with me. You know how good it is. But if you haven't ever used this, this is your first time, let me inspire you and encourage you to pursue a one word for your life for this year that can make a really big difference. It's a one word strategy. So uh, how many will think about that and pray about this week for your one word? Sometimes marriages get one word. Sometimes staff and teams of leaders get one word. And then sometimes it's all individual and sometimes it's broke. I have a personal word and then I have this word grow. Uh, so I have a personal word and then I have the word grow that I'm uh, leading our staff and leaders in. And so that may apply to you at some level as well. Okay, so... Uh, thank you for that. I've got about 20 minutes left, and uh, I want to talk to you about grow. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 51 and 52 in the New Living Translation. Then he, meaning Jesus, returned to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew, everybody say he grew, in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and all the people. Four critical areas that the scripture specifically says that Jesus grew in. Now I've read to you from the book of Luke chapter 2 where Jesus at this point was 12 years old and his parents took him to the temple in Jerusalem they offered sacrifice, celebrated the feast, and then in, in caravan and in group with their, their family and friends, they all headed back to Nazareth and didn't realize that Jesus didn't, wasn't with them. Uh, he was still back at, at church. 
Now, I have to confess that this has happened in my family a lot. We have three kids. We've left all of them at church so many times. We, it's a joke now. We'd go home. I think they were with Renee. Renee, I think they were with me. We'd go home, get home, and say, you bring the kids? What kids? No, I didn't bring the kids. I thought the kids were with you. And uh, Rodney, bless his heart. Y'all see Rodney around here. God only knows how many times Rodney has brought my kids home when we forgot them. So it was kind of one of those deals, you know. They left him at church, and they had to go back. They searched for him. They found him in the temple, and he is conversing with the doctors and the lawyers, conversing about the Scripture, and, and um, obviously uh, 12 years, but way above his head um, in his knowledge of Scripture. And so uh, from that point on, he went back to this little city of Nazareth where they lived, a few miles north of Jerusalem uh, in the hill country of Judea. And... Um, Hope to be visiting that here in March, uh, Nazareth again. And so, um, anyway, uh, they took him back, and this began 18 years of silence in the life of Jesus. From the time he was 12 until the time he was 30, we have no record of where he lived, what he did, what went on, what it was like. All we know is the scripture says he grew. He grew in wisdom, he grew in stature. And he grew in favor with God and is in favor with man. So we don't know a lot, but we know what happened during that time and what process was at play. The silent years, we don't know much about it, but we do know that he grew. Wisdom. To have wisdom, you have to have learning, training, experience. You have to develop your judgment. You know, people can know a lot of things, they can be talented and gifted and intelligent, but their judgment is poor. The definition of stupid is, you have really bad judgment. You keep doing dumb things over and over again, and you don't learn better. I mean, we've all done stupid things, I certainly have, but hopefully I learn better and I don't keep on doing those things. Stupid refers to bad judgment. That was extra, just kind of popped out there, I didn't have that in my notes. <laughs> you got to be careful. The spirit of stupid will come on you, you know, and, and you'll end up doing some stuff. You're like, what was I thinking? Well, it's a spirit of stupid. It'll get right on you. And man, you'll do some stupid stuff. Anyway, I rebuke that spirit of stupid off my life. And so um, to gain wisdom, it's a combination of learning, growing, training, um, experiencing and developing good judgment. Knowledge is information, but wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. And the scripture says that Jesus grew in wisdom. It's important that you and I grow in wisdom. In whatever area of life we're working in, we need to grow in wisdom. Some of the uh, difficulties Renee and I had in the early part of our marriage that are now com comical were all because we were just doing stupid stuff. We didn't have wisdom, but you know, you learn some do's and don'ts, some cans and can'ts, and your, your marriage gets better as your wisdom grows. I think about a, a young pastor at age 26, uh, never having pastored, and, and um, Renee kind of out there, and she were, we were out there on our own trying to figure it out. And I think about all the things I did wrong and the things that didn't work, and, and we had lots of life, vitality, energy, determination, and we somehow rolled over all of the stupid stuff we did. But over time, you develop wisdom. You do this, you don't do that. You do it like this, you don't do it like that. And that takes time. 
And so growing involves developing wisdom for whatever endeavor you have in life. Then it says he grew physically. Well, he was 12 years old, and when he emerged again 18 years later, he was a 30-year-old man. Obviously, he was this tall, and then he was this tall, right? But for me, this opens a door to the physical realm of my life. It opens a door for me to think, you know what, I want to grow physically. It doesn't mean I hope to get taller and taller. Certainly don't want to get rounder and rounder, but I, I, do, I am concerned about my physical health and the condition of my body and how careful I am to take care of my body, what I put in, what I put out, what I do and what I don't do with it. He grew. I don't want to keep living an unhealthy life, eating unhealthy food and doing unhealthy things. You know, uh, if I could just drop this in real quick, I may have to drop something out later when I run out of time, but I'll drop this in. You know, I want to be on the starting lineup for God as long as I can. Uh, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to be second string any sooner than I have to, and I don't want to be a substitute. I, I want to be in the starting lineup. And so to do that, I have to stay sharp mentally. I have to stay sharp physically. I have to have my spiritual skills tuned and home. I've got to be in a position or I'm going to end up on the bench. I want to be a starting player for God. And I hope that, that you feel the same way in your walk with God. You're probably not a pastor, but, but whatever you're doing in life, stay healthy, stay strong mentally and physically in such a way, and continue to grow and improve so that you can be a, a starting player for God. You won't find yourself sitting on the bench watching better people do what you used to do. Just a word of encouragement. And so, then he grew in favor with God. This refers to his relationship with God, his walk with his Father, his spirituality. So, the third area that I'm concerned about is that I want to grow in my walk with God and in my spiritual uh, life. I want my spirit to be ever more tuned to the voice of God. I want my giftings to be more sharp and accurate and frequent than they've ever been in my life. I want to have a walk with God that is harmonious and smooth, beautiful and lovely in every way. I just want to have a great relationship with God. And it doesn't matter what I may have had in the past. you got to do this day by day. And I want to have a great relationship with God. I want to grow in my relationship with Him. How many of you would like to grow in your relationship with God? I know you do. Fourthly, he grew in favor with man. This is horizontal relationships. God is a vertical relationship. Man is a horizontal relationship. And Jesus grew in his horizontal relationships. And so in this series this, this month, I want to challenge and encourage you from the Scripture to grow in your horizontal relationships. Now, <clears throat> I look at relationships like concentric circles. You know, a little circle, a bigger circle, a bigger circle, a bigger circle. So, first of all, in the smallest circle of my life is me and Renee and God. That's the smallest circle. Then the next circle is me and Renee and God and my kids and my grandkids, you know, my immediate family. And, and then the next circle is... Uh, you know, the, the close men and women of God around me that, that are part of my life and ministry and my friends, my, my 
co-workers. This is another. And this gets bigger until finally you just, on the big circle, it's just a lot of wonderful acquaintances that are important to your life, but they're not, they're not in that center circle. And so, you know, when you grow, you want to make sure that there's health in all these dimensions, in all these concentric circles that you've got health. Uh, sometimes uh, you can be, have healthy relationships in the big circle with the people that you're acquainted with, but in the little circle it can just be a real mess. And so God help us to work and grow relationally with the people closest to us, the people we love, the people we live with, the people that mean the most to us. And let's make this a month for growing relationally. I certainly want to encourage his marriages. Um, let's make this a month when we look again at, the, at the, our marriage culture and see how we can improve our marriage cultures. Sometimes just breaking one bad habit and starting one little better habit in a marriage can really make a huge difference. I want to, I want to encourage you in that way so that like God, we can say we grew in wisdom we grew in our physical arena of our body, our lives. We made some improvements. We preserved health and strength. Thirdly, we grow in our relation with God. And fourthly, we grow in our relationship with others. And this, I hope, will be a focus for you as you pray and fast and seek the Lord uh, throughout this month. Now, when the time came, Jesus was ready. We don't know what happened between 12 and 18. He was living in Nazareth, a little small town, a little small village. We know he's raised by Joseph, who was a day laborer at best. Uh, we know that they were somewhat poor, um, you know, small village, the hills of Judea. wasn't much there. It was a, it was a very small world. But, but we know that at 30, he was ready. He was ready. And uh, I just believe that God has some things for me in my future, and my, my, my challenge is to be ready. I want to be ready. Like when he says, okay, this is it, time to go. I want to be ready. And getting prepared is very important to being ready. So Jesus spent 30 years getting ready for three years of ministry. He spent 30 years just getting ready for the job that God has for him. I suppose more people would work for God if they could just go do it, but he always requires a preparation. The Apostle Paul, after having gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, had a revelation of Jesus. He went into the desert and nearly disappeared from the, from the, the pages of biblical history until he was prepared and he was ready. John the Baptist, six months older than Jesus, lived in the desert. We didn't know anything about it. And then one day, the came and Jesus brought him out of the wilderness and, and he began to preach and multitudes came out to be baptized of John the Baptist. But there was a preparation time. There was a season when he was just getting ready. He was waiting and preparing for something great that was going to happen. You know, I just believe that God has other great things in store for you and for me and us. And today we have to get ready so that when the day dawns we can say, I'm ready. So Jesus prepared, and he was ready. I don't really know what all he did. I don't know what his lifestyle was like. We just try to imagine what it was like living in a little tiny village. We just try to imagine, but we know the outcome. When Jesus emerged at 30, here's what we know about him. Number one, he was walking and living in perfect harmony with his father. I don't know how he got there, 
But he was walking in perfect harmony with his father. So much so that he would go on to say in his ministry, I don't do anything except what I hear the father say, and I don't do anything except what I see the father doing. That's it. He said, everything he asked me to do, I do it. He was walking in perfect harmony with the father. And so uh, I'm preparing and I'm working because I want to be in perfect harmony with the father. Totally yielded to his will. Totally submitted to his way of doing things, his timing. Totally submitted in agreement with his character and uh, the principles of his life. I want to be in harmony with the Father. When Jesus emerged, we know that he was mature and ready for responsibility. Remember, his responsibility was going to be the Savior of the world. And so when the time comes, we have to be spiritually mature and ready for responsibility. You know, you and I, we gauge maturity by responsibility. So we look at a seven-year-old and we think a seven-year-old ought to be right here in terms of responsibility. But if that seven-year-old is really down here, we say he's immature. But if that seven-year-old should be here, but he's really operating up here in terms of his ability to manage responsibility, we say, oh, he's more mature than that for his age. Because we measure responsibility. We measure maturity by how responsible we are. So when God looks at me and he looks at you, he says, well, let's see how responsible they are. Let's see how well they take instructions and how well they follow through and how I can trust them and how I know they're going to do the right thing in the right way and get the job done for me. And so God chooses people that have matured themselves so he can put responsibility on them. At age 30, Jesus had matured to a place that God could put enormous, eternal responsibility on his shoulders. I want to be an individual that when God needs a job done, he looks my direction. We also know that at the end of this preparation time, he understood his assignment and was totally submitted to it. When he walked out at 30, he wasn't wondering what his life was about, why he was born, or what he was supposed to do. But he had already determined his destiny. He had already realized that, that he was the Savior of the world, that he was going to live, he was going to teach, he was going to perform miracles, ultimately be rejected and hung on a cross and die for the sins of the world. He knew what he was born for, he knew what his assignment was, and he was in total agreement with it. You see, at some point, you have to know what you're called to do and know what your assignment is. Now, I'm working with some wonderful young men and women in this church and in others, and, and they're still figuring it out. I mean, there was a time in my life I was figuring it out. But there's also a time in your life, bless God, you got to get it figured out. So if you're in that process of figuring it out, we encourage you in it. But at some point, you got to figure it out. If you're 60 and still trying to think it up, you're a little behind. You need to, you need to fast 21 days time two. You better go on a total fast and get it fixed. If you've been walking with God for years and your trill sign is saying, you know, I really don't know what my call is and I'm not sure what my giftings are and I don't know why I'm here. I'm just willing to do anything, Lord. You know, it's been too many Januaries went by when you didn't get serious about finding God's will for your life. Not a rebuke, just a loving encouragement. <clears throat> The next thing I find about Jesus is that when he merged at 30, he was learned and ready to teach. Now, he was amazing at 12. I mean, the doctors in the largest saying, my God, how'd this 12-year-old, how'd he learn all that? How'd he talk like that? He was learned at 12. Can you imagine what he was 
at 30? He spent time preparing himself, reading and studying and memorizing and putting something in so that when the father said, let's go, son, it's ready, he'd have something inside of him that he could draw from. He didn't learn that in a day. He didn't just think that up the night before. When, it, when he had spent years making an investment in himself so that when the time came, he could draw on it. And when the time came, he stood on the mountainside and the people came and he taught them simple words that changed the world. And when he was done, they said, We've never heard anybody speak like this man before. That didn't happen overnight. He spent years training and and putting things in and learning and growing. So when the time was right, he would be ready. You know, you and I have to continually be on a learning curve. We never outgrow the need to learn and grasp and grow. And I want to encourage you to be a student your whole life. To learn and grow and read and, and acquire knowledge and, and expand your base of information, knowledge, and understanding. And then when God says, I need you, you'll have something. You'll be ready. The next thing I learned was that Jesus had spiritual power and spiritual gifting like no other man had ever had it. Um, he performed miracles that the world still is amazed at. Uh, he he did things creatively. He, he brought people back to life. He, he just had the unbelievable power of God in his life. And uh, you know, when you're ready, it isn't just because you went to school and learned a lot, but it's because there is a supernatural element of power on your life. And when your human energies and, and ability have gone the distance, that's when the supernatural kicks in and does things beyond human ability. I want to encourage you to grow and mature and reach for supernatural power in your life that God can do with you beyond anything any human could ever do. But He touches your life and puts a grace on you that causes miraculous things to happen all the way around you. Can you say amen? And so Jesus grew into, He grew up to be the Savior of the world. When he was a baby in the manger, he was destined to be the Savior, but not ready. When he was 12 years old and he was in the temple talking to the doctors, he, he, was, he was on the way, man. He, you could see something was on his life. But it was not till 30 till he was ready to become the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the teacher that would radically change the human race. He got ready. No one just wakes up great. No one just wakes up and says, oh, I'm, I'm, I finally made it. I'm great today. No, no. You don't just wake up great. You don't wake up fixed. You don't wake up powerful. Nobody just wakes up one day and, ah, oh, I finally made it. There's no ABC, one, two, three, no magic potion. Nobody can pray over you one time and from then on you're just absolutely great. No, it's a process. It takes time. And we have to be committed to the process. I'm coming to a quick close here. I want to give you four P's of personal growth. I'm going to work on some P's here, so stay with me, all right? First of all, if you want to grow, you have to have a plan. A plan. You think you're going to grow accidentally or casually or randomly? It's not going to happen. 
You need a growth plan. Now, what 21 days was, it gives you a format and kind of gets you focused so you can develop your own plan. Something to get you going, something to get you, you, you moving. But you need a growth plan. You need a growth plan. And a growth plan always involves better habits, better spiritual habits, better lifestyle patterns and routines. And I'll encourage you about that throughout the month. So the first thing is you need a growth plan. Like if I come around today and I say, what's your growth plan? What would you answer? Blah, 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 blah. I'm working on it. That's good. Let's work on it. Uh, and, and by the end of this time, everybody ought to have a growth plan in mind. Something really, you may want to write it down, but a growth plan. This is how I'm going to grow my life and I'm going to grow the various areas of my life. A growth plan. The second P is patience. Um, have a growth plan. To, to, for real personal growth, you've got to be patient. You know, there, there's no one, two, three, ABC, snap your finger, do this, and it's all right. It, it's slow, it's methodical, it takes time, but it's certainly worth it. The third P is um, pers persistence. Pers persistence. If you want to have personal growth, you've got to be persistent. You can't be distracted. You can't take detours. You can't do it now and let up later. Be cold and caught, hot, in and out, up and down. You've got to be persistent and diligent. The first, fourth P is perseverance. Perseverance. You've got to realize that you're going to have to overcome setbacks. You're going to have to overcome disappointments. You've got to maintain motivation. You've got to keep your confidence level high. You've got to be absolutely determined. It's going to take some perseverance. And one of the great characters of the Bible is the character of perseverance. It's, it, perseverance is absolutely essential to spiritual maturity. You have to persevere. It's one of the things God builds and develops in us. So um, maybe these four Ps will help encourage you and motivate you as you move through this process. Um, well, I've been living for God all my life. I've been in ministry over 40 years, pastor over 35 years. I'm still growing, I'm still preparing, I'm still getting ready. Um, I'm still just as anxious to be more than I've been and be better for God than I was when I was a young man. And my hope is to inspire you with that kind of a approach to life, to inspire you to give it all you've got to uh, your very best, to apply yourself, and to always be on a, a, a road of improvement and betterment. Maybe if you see something in me, um, you'll have the courage to take your own adventurous journey. Um, I want to especially ch challenge men. Men. Um, men should take the lead in change and development and growth. Um, men have a tendency, as men, we kind of get stuck in ruts and, and we just get in our rut and kind of down our head and keep going, but... Um, men need to raise their head and say, you know what, I need to lead in this change. First of all, I need to lead myself. I can't change my family or my marriage if I can't change me. So lead by changing you, gentlemen. And secondly, lead in your marriage, lead in your family, and challenge the world around you to grow personally. And lead them in that. Be first in that. Let them follow you. You can't force people, you can't drive people, you can't make people. All you can do is inspire people with your own life and the example that you set. So today I've taken a minute to talk to men 
and challenge you to take the lead in this 21 days and take the lead in growing personally and growing your world um, in the next few days and get a real plan for your life. Um, I'm praying that husbands and wives could land on the same word. It's powerful when a husband and wife land on the same word. And they get the same focus and they have the same determination and they want to fix the same things. It's powerful. It doesn't always happen, but I'm praying for husbands and wives to land on the same word. So, ask God to give you one word that will help you during this process. Okay, that's it. Now, if you, if you want me to pray for you and ask God to put a grace on you and you just want to come to the altar and say, Father, I, I want this to be a special season, a special time. I want to grow and move forward. Just come up out of your seat. Come on down here real quick as uh, we come to a close this morning. Father, I thank you for another opportunity, for a fresh start and a new beginning. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the grace to close the door on 2017, to forget hurtful, painful, disappointing things, and to remember the good things you did for me, to celebrate the miracles and look forward to new ones in the future. Lord, we dedicate ourselves and as a church to seeking you in the next 21 days. We earnestly ask you to visit us, O God. Come close. You promised that if we would draw near to you, you would draw near to us. We stand in this altar making a commitment that we're going to draw near to you, O oh God. Father, come near to this congregation. I pray for them to realize your presence at a fresh new level. I pray for your voice to become more clear in their hearts than they've ever heard before. I pray for dreams and visions and signs to come to them to help guide and direct them through life. I pray for them to have supernatural experiences. Come near to us, O oh God, as we seek your face in these 21 days. Now, Father, we're going to need a grace to pray. Light a fire of desire in our heart for private prayer and devotion. Father, we're going to need a grace to fast. I'm asking you to give us a grace to fast. We're going to need a grace, Lord, to read the Bible, study the Scripture, and pray that Scripture. Be diligent and faithful in it. Lord, give us your grace, the power and the desire to do these things. Father, I'm asking you to give each of these people their own word. Whatever that is, you know best. Download into them one word that will be a catalyst for growth and change in their lives. One word, Lord. I pray that you would download it into them today. In Jesus' name. One word. One word. That will bring their life into focus and be a catalyst for change and, and growth. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Take just a moment and thank the Lord. Receive it. Say, Lord, I receive that. I believe that, Lord. I'm committed to it. I thank you for it. Go ahead and have your own private prayer in that way right now. Just seal the deal in your own private prayer and emotion. Seal the deal.
speak a blessing on you all in Jesus name everybody say amen God bless you I love you shake hands and be friendly I'm glad you're here today we'll see you next Sunday